A quick recap before we go to the title of the day. Yesterday we learned about the patterns of the cross. And we agreed through the scripture that the physical hood on Golgotha was not the first time the cross was featuring in the Bible. Before Golgotha, there were many Golgothas, so to speak, where the spiritual cross as a principle was being revealed through the lives of many people. And I think we agreed yesterday that no major episode in the Bible ever took place without the cross. Behind every major episode was the cross. And we looked at Adam, we looked at Abraham, we looked at David, we looked at uh, Esther, just in passing because time could not allow us. So the cross was always there before Golgotha. The cross was always a principle. And we agreed yesterday that every time a man reached a tipping point or a defining point in the Bible, there was always the choice to go to the left or to go to the right or to march right ahead. And we agreed that through obedience, we are able to unlock the cross. When the Bible says that the preaching of the cross is the power of God, it means that the cross is what releases power. Without the cross being understood, being embraced, there will never be power. So we agreed that uh, today being Wednesday, we will look at the three postures of the cross. Today we look at the first posture. Tomorrow we look at the second posture. On Friday, we will look at the last posture. So there are three postures a man can take even as he takes the cross and experiences power. How many are ready for the first posture? Amen. I would like to have this seat brought right here for demonstration. You can sit on it. The title today is The Posture of Sitting. If there is sitting, there is walking. If there is walking, there is standing. A human being at one point or another as part of his existence will either be sitting, will either be walking, or will either be standing. And these three postures play out beautifully throughout the Bible to show us how power can be manifested and how the cross can be manifested. The most profound, one of the most profound books in the Old Testament, that is the book of Psalms, opens with the following words. Blessed is the man who walks not, who sits not, who stands not. Another beautiful book in the New Testament that I love, and we don't have time to run through the all of it, opens in the first chapter of uh, Ephesians chapter 1, by saying, God has sat Christ above principalities and powers. The next chapter, which is chapter 2, talks about now that you have been delivered, this is how you ought to walk. Finally, in chapter 6, the Bible now talks about having done all, God requires you to stand. Sit, walk, stand. So instead of using Psalms, and I'll tell you the reason why I'm using, I'm not using the order of Psalms. Psalms was written before Calvary. After Calvary, life begins by sitting, then walking, then standing. Before Calvary, life began by walking fast. You walk, you earn it, you, 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 you like exploit, you try it. After trying it, then you sit. After sitting, then you stand. 
But now after Calvary, life begins by first of all sitting. David writes Psalms chapter 1 verse 1, before there was Calvary. Paul writes Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3 up to chapter 6 after Calvary. So after Calvary, life begins by sitting. Before Calvary, life was about walking. So this man is seated. And we need to explain, how do you exercise the cross by sitting? Let me shock you people. The hardest call we have as Christians is not walking. It is not standing. It is sitting. Mark chapter 3 verse 14 is a scripture I love. The Bible says, and he called to him the twelve that they may be with him. And then afterwards, he may send them to go and preach. It was sitting first before walking later. In sitting, you need to seize your activities. In sitting, you seize your objectives. In sitting, you seize your timelines. In sitting is the hardest work. Because in sitting, you take the orders you don't give the orders. You take the instructions. You don't give the instructions. Mark 3.14 talks about them sitting with him, them being with him. Now Matthew 10 and even Luke 10, Luke 9 and 10 now talks about them going, them walking into the cities, them going to go and work. But before they could go out to work, they had to sit down to learn. Sitting, I repeat, is other than walking. For this man to be powerful in his walk, he has to be powerful in his sitting. For this man to be powerful in his standing, he has to be powerful in his sitting. If he can't sit, he can't walk. If he can't sit, he can't stand. And this is where many lives, including some lives that will listen to this podcast, this is where many lives have been destroyed. Many lives have been destroyed because few could sit down. And the Lord can decide, you are going to work for 30 minutes, but you will sit for 3 hours, or 3 years, or 30 years. The Lord prioritizes sitting more than anything else. Because in sitting, you become conformed. You become transformed. You become tilted. You become prepared. You become enhanced. In sitting, you acquire everything you will need for the journey. When the Bible began in Genesis chapter 2, Adam was planted to sit before God. When the wife came, you know the story. The wife went walking and meeting the serpent, coming with a report from a foreign beast, which the man who was sitting had not seen with God. So the mistake of Adam was responding to a different posture. You, you are sitting before God every afternoon. The Bible says God could come to fellowship with him. There was a beautiful sitting arrangement. Then another fellow who was not sitting comes to disrupt the order, comes with a report which has not come from the place of sitting. It came from the place of adventure. And when this man listened to adventure and he forgot to sit, 
power was lost. The greatest seat you can sit on, as we all know, is a what? Is a throne, right? There is no greater seat than a throne. Yet the Bible tells us something that I want to point to you. The Bible says, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, that is the kingdom of God. You all know that scripture? It is in Romans, I think, chapter 14, verses uh, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now listen to me. I want you to all this side and all this side. God calls you to his kingdom, but there are three things he requires you to learn. You cannot have one without the other. You have to capture all the three. On this side, he wants you to learn righteousness. On this side, he wants you to learn joy. At the middle of it all, he wants you to learn peace. I repeat, God calls you to his kingdom to sit with his son. As we see in Ephesians chapter 1, we have been called to sit with his son. On one hand, he requires you to have righteousness. And I'll explain why righteousness is on this side. On this other side, he wants you to exercise or walk in joy. On this other side, he wants you to have peace. Because all these three, they have a role to play. And there is a pattern they will work for you in the spiritual world. For those who are not there, let me give you a quick run-up. Yesterday we said, every time we are walking before God, there is usually a pattern we draw. This pattern in the spiritual realm is usually in the form of a cross. So the, 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 the more we are walking in obedience, the more the cross is releasing light. The more the cross is releasing light. For example, we looked at Adam. When on this side there was a tree of life, and this side there is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Abraham, I mean, Adam is walking straight, obeying God by eating from this side and ignoring this side. Eating from this side and ignoring from this side. Every time he walked in that obedience, light was shining on him. The day he tilted the balance, power was lost. So we have righteousness. We have joy on this side. We have peace right here. One thing I want to tell you, thank God it is Bible week. One thing I want to tell you, there is no day the Bible will arrange things without a meaning. If the Bible begins with righteousness and it ends with joy, in the middle there is peace, there is a reason why. When the Bible begins with uh, Genesis, then it goes to Exodus, then it finishes with Revelation, there is a reason why. On this side of the cross, we are talking about the world. On this side of the cross, we are talking about the church or the people of God. At the middle of it, we are talking about you who has to make the choice, whether to go to the world or to go to the, to the church or to go to the ways of God. Righteousness is about, I have decided to take a stand away from the world. Joy is about, I have met the people of God and now I am among the family. Peace is about, I have now found peace by doing those two. Peace is a byproduct. 
And righteousness is about a man called Jesus. Righteousness is not about what you do. Righteousness is about a man. You know him intimately as righteousness. And soon, every part of your life on the left is just righteousness because of a man called Jesus. The Bible says now in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, that Christ has now come from God and he has come to us to be our sanctification, our holiness, our righteousness, even our wisdom. Christ is righteousness. People have used a wrong theology to make it look like Christ will give you some righteousness. He does not give righteousness. He alone is righteousness. To sit requires you to acknowledge Christ as your righteousness, to acknowledge Christ as your joy, to acknowledge Christ, as Paul says, as your peace. With these three ingredients, you will sit comfortably on the highest throne called the throne of the kingdom of God. Allow me to touch on this because a lot of it is what the Lord rubbed on me. The same Romans 16, I think, verse 20, if I may confirm. Yeah, 1620 says, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Not under your sword, but under your feet. Now, I want you to lift your leg briefly. Just lift it as if, yeah, just lift it like this. Kikinjaro. Lift it just slowly like this. Two of them. Ah, good. So, this man needs to have Satan under his feet, but the way to conquer it is to be a man who has accepted Christ as his peace. Satan cannot survive in an environment where there is peace. Because he thrives in chaos. He thrives in fear. He thrives in confusion. Show me a man who is going to cast out a devil. I will show you a man who internally has peace. I, I repeat, on one hand, Christ is your righteousness. You have nothing unrighteous to do with the world. Within you, you are a man who will have peace at all means because through this peace, you will crush Satan. And while you have peace, you are not murmuring, you have joy because you are not alone. The joy of the Lord is your strength is a book in Nehemiah, but it was written to a group of people, not to one person. The people are weeping and crying and Nehemiah is told, go and tell them, do not weep because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You people, the beauty of joy is when it is in a multitude, not when you are alone. A good joy is experienced in a group. A good joy is experienced in a multitude. On one hand, the Lord is taking you away from the world. On the other hand, he's connecting you to a group of men and women who are his children so that you can have joy. But all this is to enable you to have one little ingredient. When you are seated there and you have it, Satan will bow. It is called peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, which takes you away from the world. Peace which enables you to overcome Satan, and joy, which enables you to, 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 to enjoy the brethren. With this, we have a shape of a cross. 
but the world will never be able to stop. Many just want to have joy, but righteousness they don't care about. Many want to have peace, but they don't want to care about joy. Yet all these three must mingle together to give you a pattern that when you sit on that seat, nothing can move you. I'll come back there shortly. Let me turn it down. Every man Jesus met was seated in a certain seat. Peter was seated in the boat as a fisherman. Matthew was sitting in a certain office as a tax collector. And uh, the Pharisees were sitting in a certain seat called the seat of Moses. All of them had seats that were going on for them. And as long as they sat on those seats, they had a certain destination they were going to. Peter and the rest of the fishermen were only going to end up as fishermen. Matthew as a tax collector was only going to end up as a civil servant. The Pharisees, as those who sat in the seat of Moses, were only going to end up as teachers and lawyers and nothing else after that. Jesus came, and all of those men had to leave their seat and join his seat, and he became their rabbi. Now, during those, those days, some of you know, a rabbi could sit down, his disciples or followers could also sit down. And to listen to a rabbi from morning to evening was not a joke. Especially when you are a man who previously had a career. To listen to a rabbi for one year, second year, third year, and Peter is still there. He even has a mother-in-law. And he, every day he listens to this rabbi. That's why I told you, sitting is the hardest. You penetrate the, you penetrate here, you can now go and change the world. Till you penetrate the place of sitting. You should not rush to walk. So Peter comes out of his seat in the boat and he sits under the rabbi. Uh, Matthew comes uh, from his uh, tax collection office, sits under the rabbi. A few Pharisees and zealots also left their seats, came and sat under the rabbi. And for three years, there was a non-stop sitting. And as they sat, they were transformed. As they sat, they were armed. As they sat, they were rejuvenated. As they sat, they were oriented to a new possibility. As they sat, they were being prepared for the showdown that was coming. My people, before Acts chapter 1, where we are told about the day of Pentecost, and chapter 2, Peter standing to give that powerful speech, there was three years of sitting down. And every day they were tempted to mama like Peter is like, oh, we have left everything to follow. What will we get? The Lord reminded them, please, it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And every day they are tempted now to go and fight. Peter takes the sword to go and, and, and strike the high priest here, the, the, the servant of the high priest here, to defend Jesus. Jesus told him, shh, this kingdom requires you to sit. But as you sit, you must sit in peace. As a man who hears God, I do a lot of counseling. I do a lot of advising of people. And one thing I've seen with the children of God, most of them are not patient. Most of them are restless. 
Most of them want to know the answer to everything. Most of them want to grasp the perspective of everything. As a result, they cannot carry the cross in their seat. As a result, many of them do not have joy. As a result, many of them do not have peace. As a result, many of them are not even walking righteously because they want to take matters in their hands, forgetting the greater your seat, the greater your walk. The greater your walk, the greater your stand. These people sat for three years. Paul says, even me, I went to the desert of Arabia. For three years, I was there. And he sat down, carrying a cross. Every time heaven is looking at this man, sitting in joy, sitting in peace, sitting in righteousness, heaven is saying, now, after a while, we will release him now to take a walk. Now, after a while, we'll release him to go and take a stand against Satan and watch Satan fall. Why are many going out and not succeeding? It's because they did not discern how the Lord wanted them to sit. Stand briefly. Let me show them something. How old is this church? Nine years. This is Mama Florence's seat. I sanctify it by the blood of Jesus. So we can say this seat has been there for nine years. Okay? This seat has been there for nine years. Imagine I want this boy to understand nine years of this history. I want him to understand what does it take to be the owner of this seat. I cannot tell him to take a walk to go discover it. I have to bring him to sit either on this seat or under this seat. Am I confusing you? This seat is nine years old. It has a history of up and down of this church. The woman sitting here for the last nine years knows things some of you have no idea about. If I want you to understand what this woman understands, I don't have to chase you away from this seat. I have to tie you around it, either by you sitting on it or by you sitting around it for you to get the story of this seat. Dear people, God has seats for you, but not all of them will begin in glory. Some of them will begin in submission. Not all of them will you begin by sitting on top. Some you will begin by sitting under. And taking the cross silently, sitting there year by year or month by month or week by week or day by day, you have to sit. Then the Lord will tell you, now that you have sat, and the history has now been synthesized in you. The grace has been synthesized to in you. Now you can walk like a man who has sat. Anytime God wants to take a man higher, he makes him sit longer. Never forget that. Anytime God wants you to walk further, he makes you sit longer. And in this sitting, a cross will be growing within you 
A cross will be growing over your purpose. A cross will be growing over your mandate. And before you know it, a little walk and things happen like miracle. Things happen like magic. What was Moses doing in the wilderness for 40 years? He was sitting down. The sheep were grazing. The sheep were running up and down. Suppose Moses decided, I, it is this sheep having a good time. I also want to walk, walk like them. <laughs> he will have been walking and he misses the burning bush. God can decide you are going to sit down for months or for years. Not because he's punishing you, but because he's arming you, he's preparing you for the journey. He's preparing you for the final stand. Come back. This boy could be 18 or 21. If this seat is the seat of a king, all we have to do, we have to take him, sit him on it, pour oil, proclaim him king, and step back. Soon, he will begin to take the characteristics of that seat. I have seen boys as young as eight years old who were taken and put on a seat and they were proclaimed the, 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 the whatever. The people who have inherited their father's seat of kingship and within years they were amazing the whole world with their wisdom, with their bravery because every seat God gives you to sit on there is a touch that comes with it. There is an anointing that comes with it. Which brings me to another balance the Lord told me to tell all of you. Do not rush to sit on your own seat. Do not rush to choose your own seat. Do not rush to pick a seat that is just empty. Do not rush to pick a seat that is just available. For example, we are all here in this church. This seat belongs to this office. There is a black one in the other office. Sindio. And there are those ones behind there. There are those ones in front here. There are those ones here. There is even this other seat. Now, let me shock you. If you ask the owner of this seat, have you wanted at one time to just step out of it and let another take it? They'll tell you yes. If you ask this fellow, have you had an opportunity where you just wanted to step out and get better with other things? The fellow will tell you yes. If you ask the ones who usually sit here, have you wanted to step out and get another seat or get another thing to do? They'll tell you yes. If you ask those at the back, have you ever wanted to step out and go and do something maybe more better, more different? They'll tell you yes. And in that temptation to leave their seat... Is whether is where the cross will either finish its work or the cross will abort it will abort its work. This man did not bring himself here. God brought him here. This woman did not plant herself here. God planted her there. The ones who usually sit here or sit there, God is the one who put them there and is watching to see how will they carry the cross while seated. When some of you are husbands, when you go home, you may just think, ah, I am here because I've paid rent. I have not been chased. You forget there is a seat. That the day you depart from it, disaster will strike that place. 
You forget there is a seat. No matter the pressure, no matter the challenges, there is an expectation for you to sit there faithfully. You can have all manner of diseases. You can have all manner of discouragement. But you are required to sit on that seat and not to move away. I've met men, I've met women who moved away from their seat and they wondered, ah, why was there a problem after I left? Kwani, what was it? What was there is because you are occupying a place of power and you did not know it. Yes, there were challenges, but that place of power could not respond to the vacuum. It had to be occupied throughout. You know, when we are told in uh, the book of... Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, that Christ is seated above principalities. You think these principalities are worshipping him? And telling him, oh Jesus, keep sitting right there. Keep getting easy. They are trying to frustrate him. People of God, every seat has its own set of frustrations. Every seat has its own set of challenges and the way to do it is to hold on faithfully till you are told stand and now take a walk. Those of you who went to work in the morning, your boss expected you to report, sit on your seat and not to leave it till he tells you now it is 5pm, take a walk and go home. Cynthia, that is how life happens. Christ has a seat. He wants you to sit on. But he expects you to sit on it in righteousness. One time I preached about how righteousness holds a throne. So Christ expects you to sit in righteousness. Do not mix with the world. He also expects you to enjoy the brethren, to have joy when you meet your brethren. If you have a problem with that, tell him, Lord, I want to have joy as I interact with the brethren. Because there is no kingdom you will run alone. You are running it with the fellow children of the king. But let me go back to peace. I was telling a group of servants of God last week. But all of us should strive to step out in peace. When you do not have peace, sit still till the Lord assures you there is peace about the movement you are about to take. Peace is the greatest source of prosperity. You lose peace, you lose prosperity. For example, if I walk through that door and there are demons that need to be cast out, and I have peace in my heart. I don't have any kind of fear or any kind of worry or any kind of confusion. I have peace in my heart. Automatically, I have 50% advantage before I have called power from heaven. And one principle I try to exercise in my ministry as I serve the Lord is to make sure I never step out into any zone of service without peace. Because without peace, Satan will not come under my feet. No man can sit without peace. No man can rule without peace. No man can perform without peace. And today we are just careless 
Not to maintain peace with the brethren. Not to maintain peace with the Lord. Not to maintain peace within ourselves. No wonder prosperity is not manifesting. No wonder power is not manifesting. You want to see power, learn to be a man or a woman of peace. Nothing scared the Pharisees when they were stoning Stephen than to watch him peaceful and glorifying God and his eyes radiant. Nothing frustrated those people like that. It made them shake. Imagine you are busy killing this man, God forbid, and he is just peaceful. Imagine you are accusing him of this, accusing him of that, and he's not responding. People of God, when you learn to sit in peace, and not to run your mouth. When you learn to sit in peace. And not to run your mouth. When you learn to quietly sit in peace. I tell you the truth. Half the battles you are busy fighting will be ended. Somebody with a shawl. Let me show you something. You have a shawl or whatever can be tied around his waist. Let me show you something. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Now, as this man is sitting... There is something we call in the Bible, loin. He has a loin tight around the waist. Without rising. He has a waist. This waist has mysteries I need to talk to you briefly about. When he's seated, the greatest amount of pressure is exerted on his loins or on his waist. This part I'm pressing is experiencing the greatest pressure. Paul names the kind of pressure in Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 28 going down. He begins to talk about emotional issues like bitterness, emotional issues like anger, emotional issues like envy, emotional issues like jealousy. These are the things that will touch your loins directly. And a man must learn to guard his loins so that he can have peace, so that he can sit. I repeat, maybe for the 50th time, nothing is harder in this life like sitting down. Sitting. You have anger, but you are sitting. Jealousy is coming, you are sitting. Envy is striking you, you are sitting. Bitterness is eating you up, you are sitting. The more a man learns to sit, the more a man learns to tie the belt of truth around his waist and sit down. This cross will be growing on his seat because it is this seat when he is walking, as we'll see tomorrow, God willing, it is this seat when he's walking, he will keep referring to. Everything in his journey will be as a result of this seat. Whatever he could not overcome sitting, he cannot overcome walking. Whatever he could not overcome sitting, he cannot overcome standing. This man must nail it on this seat. A woman of God fasted on and off for one year. Ten days, twenty days, then she breaks, takes some rice and water. Ten days, twenty days like that for a whole year. And in the process, she had 
extremely great experiences in the spiritual world. One of the experiences she had, God showed her the belly and the waist of a human being and the specific demons that come to sit in this side of our body in, in, in the sense of oppression if people do not walk in sanctification. One of them, he was told, she was told is lust. The other was anger. The other was bitterness. All the emotional things Paul mentions in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. She was told they sit right here under our stomach. Now, I'm not saying from today you'll be laying hands on your stomach, okay? The answer is sanctification. When you plead the blood of Jesus, the blood knows where to go. I'm only using it to stress the point. But as we are sitting, there are things to overcome by the grace of God. I've met people as they walk into their career. Others as they walk into their relationships. I have met people who did not conquer it in the place of sitting and they began wondering, ah, why don't I have victory? Why don't I have victory? You don't have victory because there was a day to do nothing for the Lord except to sit at his feet and to watch this cross grow. And as you are expected to sit, you did not sit. Sitting is not laziness. Sitting is surrender. Sitting is not foolishness. Sitting is understanding. There's a time for a young man like me to sit. There's my time also to stand. There's a time for a young man like me to sit. There's a time for me to walk. And I've watched people, even in this ministry, I've watched people who initially were quick to sit. After a while, they felt, ah, I think now I get it. Now, now, now I get it. Let me take a walk. Let me take a walk and do my thing. Let me take a walk and also get busy with other things. And the seat was left empty. And the cross was abandoned. And the feet began to wait, corner after corner, juncture after juncture. When it is time to sit, I repeat to you, sit down. Some of you, you are even training for ministry. Some of you, you are even training for music. Others are training to, you know, to, to, to lead this aspect of ministry. Some are training to be evangelists. Others are tra training to be prophets. But God is not a fool to make you sure that Sunday after Sunday, January after January, nobody gives you the microphone. All they want you to do is to sit down. You think God is punishing you? He's doing you a favor. What favor is he doing you? Sometimes he's even exposing some of us who are in the front for you to see what should not be done when your day comes. Sometimes he's showing you what joy can cost. Sometimes he's showing you what lack of righteousness can cause. Sometimes he's showing you what lack of peace can cause. After David kills Goliath, naturally you'll expect him to now go and maybe become a provincial governor. The Bible says he sat at the table of Saul and he ate there day and night. When Saul became attacked with his mental issues, David took the harp and he played it. When he was done playing, he came back to sit. Till Saul chased him, 
but the man was willing to sit. When Saul was falling down that evening in, in Mount Gibeah, and the man came to David to tell him, Saul is fallen, he found David seated down. And David just instructed that man, rise up, fall on him and kill him, because he's the one who has brought the report, how he killed the servant of the Lord. David was sitting. Seven years he rules in Hebron and the, 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 the larger uh, house of Israel now comes to make him king. And they found him seated in Hebron waiting on God. Not taking matters in his hands. Am I confusing you or you are understanding me? Are you understanding me? This man is a musician, this man is a warrior, this man is an anointed king, this man is a psalmist, this man is a prophet, this man is a poet. But all that, he reduces it to a seat, saying, Lord, yes, you promised me kingship, but you alone will raise me as king. Till you raise me, I will sit. On that side was the Philistines, he could have gone to conquer them and even rule over them. On this side were the Jews. He could have told them, did God not tell me? Let me come and reign over you. But in the middle of it all was a seat called perseverance, a seat called wait on God. And David sat on it for 13 years. After 13 years, another seven years before he could become king. No wonder to date, the Bible says, the seat or the throne of David endures to date and it will endure forever. Because it was a seat of a man who did not make the seat, but he sat on the seat. And some of you, even hearing my voice, the Lord is giving you a prophetic warning not to rush ahead. The Lord is giving you a prophetic warning not to take matters in your hands. The Lord is giving you a prophetic warning not to step out of peace. The Lord is giving you a prophetic warning not to step out of joy. The Lord is giving you a prophetic warning not to step away from righteousness, but to sit in righteousness, to sit in peace, to sit in joy. To make sure that as you sit, joy is abounding. Peace is abounding. Righteousness is abounding. I want to ask you a question. Even as I reflect on the people who left their seats to come to Jesus. I want to ask you a question. It is true you are a fisherman. It is true you are a tax collector. It is true you have something going on for you. But my question is this, which the Lord will ask you on that day, not me, but the Lord. How much time did you sit at his feet? And how much did you take from his feet as you sat down? The Lord Jesus had two names when he sat on his seat. The first name all of you know, and all of you can tell me the meaning of it. The second name was a bit mysterious because it is mentioned once. Somebody say once. The first name I will call it the public name. Everybody call him teacher, 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 teacher. You remember when you were in school? I was good at that. Teacher, teacher. I could even do like this. Teacher, 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 teacher. We could even bang the, the desk because we are itching to give the answer and to get the attention. So the first name he had was rabbi. Everybody knew him as a rabbi, the public teacher, and they called him rabbi. But one woman went ahead of the crowd and called him 
Raboni, meaning my teacher, my personal teacher, my teacher. The things you teach me, nobody teaches me, so you are my teacher. You know that you have taught me things that only me and you will know, so you are my teacher. Everybody, rabbi, 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 oh, rabbi, teacher, good teacher. One of, the, one of them even came and said, hey, good teacher. Another group went to report to those who had sent him. No one taught like that man. <laughs> so this man is just a teacher to everybody. But to one wise woman, he was my teacher. And look at how Mary Magdalene was quick like our brother was teaching, to even come to the grave. And when she could not have enough of the grave to touch a body that had risen up, this woman was personal. She enjoyed the seat. She did not enjoy the ministry. Others were quick to go and preach. Not this woman. This woman was quick to sit, to learn, to be personal. I'm not against teaching, even now I'm teaching. I'm against teaching when you have not sat. Because you'll bring disaster, not just on you, but on your hearers too. One time I went to a church and a man was preaching brilliantly. People clapped, my God, people hugged him after the preaching. And every time he's preaching, I could see a man on the internet picking the best points and bringing it to the people. The people are clapping, but the Lord was wondering, who is this stranger who has never sat in my seat? Who is this stranger who has never sat under me to pick what he claims is from me? Who is this stranger? Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi. Everybody is saying Rabbi because they can see his seat there. But few have a personal touch with this seat to call him Rabboni. And I'm asking you this evening, despite of all you are doing with your life, is Jesus just one of the concepts or is Jesus the only concept? Is his seat the only seat you can refer to or is his seat one of the seats you can talk about? Allow me to repeat this point. The day this boy now moves from this seat to take a walk, this seat will follow him nonstop. If this seat was the seat of legalism, legalism will follow his walk. If this seat was the seat of uh, tax collecting, civic uh, wisdom will follow him. If this seat is the seat of fishing, uh, fish, you know, the, 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 the sea wisdom and the wisdom of fishing is what will follow him. But if this seat is the seat of Christ, even if he tries to hide, he will be picked out like Peter and told, you are with him. Remember, Peter was not told you walked with him. Or you served in his name? No, you are with him. We can see. You talk and you look like you are around that seat. And Peter is denying it, but the woman is seeing it. Be careful the seat you hang around. Because that is what you will carry and that is what people will see. I have relatives who are so keen on maintaining cultural traditions. Till though they are saying they love Jesus, but you don't see Jesus. You only see what they have been careful to sit under and to cultivate within them. Some of us are going to sit for a short time, 
others for a long time. Others will sit while others are walking. Others will sit while others are standing. If it is your turn to sit, my brother, my sister, sit. I've gone to some villages. I've gone to some cities. I've gone even to some homesteads. And the first thing I saw was a seat. And when I checked with the Lord, it was not his seat. Jesus later on tells John the Revelator I, to tell the church, I know where you are seated, that it is the seat of Satan. Satan can plant a seat in a city. Satan can plant a seat in a nation. If Satan can plant it, Christ also can plant it. And our objective as we raise arms for Jesus, as we travel the world for Jesus, our objective is to make sure if it is our turn to sit under him, we are sitting faithfully. If it is our time to raise his seat and make it be known, we make his seat be known. Finally, before I conclude, because I have to conclude by eight, and it is nine minutes to eight. Through the grace of God, I have met people, I have interacted with them, I have met people who have been taken to visitations of heaven. I've seen heaven. They have seen the Lord. They have been taken to heaven. Some for a few days. Like my best man was there for two weeks. He was taken to the glory. He saw heaven. For two weeks he was dead and he saw heaven. And one thing that shocked me about heaven when it was related to me by these people, and even me when I had my chance now to see for myself, one thing that shocked me is this. Christ is not mean. Christ is not stingy. Christ does not spare anything. He is the most generous person you will come across. Imagine somebody who gave you his life. Does he have a problem giving you the biggest city in heaven? He has no problem. Imagine somebody who gave you his blood. After that, he gave you his spirit. He even instructed. Even this flesh of mine, take it and eat it. Does he have a problem giving you a seat? He has no problem. But you need to learn these people. There are seats in heaven, but they are not equal. They are in ranks. And the rank does not depend on the work you did, the rank depends on the relationship you had. There's a woman, if she walks in here and I'm seated there, she has every right above all of you to sit next to me. Not because we are regiments, okay? Not because we are workmates, but because we have a deep relationship. As it is on earth, so is it, is, is it in heaven. There are seats in heaven. The closer your heartbeat is to Jesus, the closer your seat will be next to Jesus. I repeat, Christ is not mean. He is not stingy. He does not mind you sitting next to him if that is what is your reward. If he gave you his blood, what can't he give you? But this is the secret. The closer your heartbeat to him, the closer your seat to him. 
And do not be surprised. There are outer chambers in heaven. The same way now as I'm speaking here, there are people at that gate. There are people outside the main hall of glory in heaven. And the reason is very simple. They were not intimate. Some of them were the most proficient workers in ministry, but their heartbeat with Jesus was not intimate. It was not close. We are called to sit with him, not just by faith, but literally in glory when that day comes. The answer to how close your sitting will be is how close your heart is. That is why I am challenging you in the name of Jesus. Go beyond rabbi and go to Rabboni. Do not say you are told in church, so this is the truth. Learn it yourself from his feet. Do not just say, ah, I heard that is the reason. Go prove it for yourself. Oh my God, I wish you had time. Move from rabbi because even the Pharisees are calling him rabbi. But only one woman is calling him Rabboni. I won't be surprised to find that of the immediate seats next to Jesus is Mary Magdalene. It is all about intimacy. It is not about work. their seats. And how close you are with him as you wait right now is how close you will be with him in glory. A friend of mine was shown three levels of heaven. He saw the first level is what we call the city. The second level. The, the boy was then eight years old. Now he's about 40. He saw that the first level is called the city where the king and his chief officials, the most trusted people, will be walking side by side. Then after that, he saw people who will be seeing him and even waving at him, but not necessarily walking with him. Tomorrow we are coming to walking, okay? And after that, he saw the very outskirts, which were like slums. These are people who could just hear about him and say, ah, today is there. The same way some of you are hearing about Uru and you're like, oh, he has gone to Rwanda. Oh, last, uh, last week, Patuan, he was in China. Ah, he's there. These are natural things to remind us of spiritual realities. Let me ask a funny question. Who is next to that man? Like next, 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 next. Even in his bedroom, next, 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 next. When he's having dinner, next, 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 next. When he's uh, doing his breakfast, next, 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 next. Who is next, next to that man? His wife. Is she a saint? Is she a politician? No. Is she even a public servant? No. All they have is a relationship. Their names they call one another. Nobody else uses. I wish you had time to go to Revelation 3 where Jesus says, in that day, I will give you a stone with a name written, which only the two of us will know. Because you went beyond just student. Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi. Now you went to an intimate affair. Every man is learning, 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 but learning from far. You, you learned it so close till the teacher and the student had a special name for one another. That is what the Lord is calling us to. The cross is not a punishment. It is a means to promotion. It is a means to elevation. It is a means to acceleration. It is a means to eternal glory. And let me not cheat you people. This 
moment you have on earth is the moment you will determine whether you'll be in the outskirts, just hearing about the king, or you'll be in the city, walking next to the king. And I begged God, I think it was in 2011, I took fasting and prayer, and I made vows. I said, Lord, what will it take to walk next to you? Just tell me, I will do it. Even if it means never having a family or never having anything in this world, I want to walk next to you. I want to be, anytime you're just doing like this, I'm there, or you're doing like this, I'm there, or you're waving like this, I'm the one you hit with your hand. Lord, what will I do? He told me one thing. Be intimate with me. Be close to me. Be dependent on me. Even when you are giving the microphone, just talk about me. Do not talk about other things. Talk about my wisdom. Talk about me. Talk about my cross. And that is the only thing I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to do anything with the ministry. I'm not trying to do anything with my life. All I'm trying to do is to be close to the Lord. To move from Rabbi to Rabboni. Finally, this man will stand. Just stand. And because God does not lie, behind him will be a cross. As powerful as his sitting was. This man will begin to walk and behind him will be a cross. Unseen by the eyes of men, but by the eyes of angels and demons, they will be seeing a cross behind him signifying how much lesson he has learned and how much lesson he has not learned. Hold it. When Isaac lay down and he accepted to die, the Lord showed me a vision one time. When he rose up after the lamb had been revealed, what rose up was not just a physical human being. What rose up was a man who had tested death and said, hmm, I have conquered you. What rose up was not just the son of Abraham. What rose up was a son of resurrection. And from that day, the Lord was showing me Isaac is walking. Isaac is walking. And behind him was a shadow of conquest of death. That is why you try to stop him in his business. You just get swept away. You, get, you try to stop him even as he's digging the wells and you try to block him. Isaac will just sweep you because it is no longer Isaac who lives. It is no longer Isaac in charge, but the death he escaped. The mystery of the cross is the power that can change this world. Leave alone these beautiful speeches people give. When this man is walking, behind him is death walking and saying, this man conquered me. Who are you? This man stopped me. Who are you? And you try to stop Isaac, my friend, you will be swept by the covenant that was made when you are not even there. And people of God, God may be calling you to a point of death, not to destroy you, but to make you dangerous, to make you unstoppable. So Isaac rises up from the place he has been sitting and lying down on that, on that rock. And when he rose up, what rose up was not his physical body alone. What rose up was the conquest of death. And sometimes 
Demons look at some men and they begin to shake. Demons look at some men, they begin to fear. Because they are not seeing a man, they are seeing a shadow behind that man. Because this man had a chance to sit and he sat perfectly. Now he has a chance to rise up and walk. Though he may be walking like everybody else, yet he's walking. It's not just another walking. So we pray, Lord Jesus, tonight. You have called us to sit with you in the heavenly places where we shall know the power of your cross. Lord, grant us joy as we sit. Grant us peace as we sit. Grant us righteousness as we sit. And when we rise, Lord, because you are the one who is going to raise us to rise, <laughs> go ahead of us, Lord. Level every mountain. Dry every barrier and every river, Lord. And I pray not only for the ears of your people, but for their hearts. I pray that everything their heart have had, which came from your spirit, Lord Jesus, they will never forsake it. They will treasure it. Some of them are wondering, why is it taking long, Lord? Some of them are wondering, how long will it take, Lord? Some of them are wondering, what lesson is this? And you are telling them, sit still. And when I begin to make you walk, the lessons you do not understand, your enemies will need. The light you do not understand that you are busy acquiring, your path will need. Lord, you have shown us that through sitting, we get armed for walking. And we pray that our sitting may bring you joy and glory. We pray like Isaac who walked from that day from Moriah. Who never got stopped by anything. Lord, our walking may not be in vain. Because our sitting was not in vain. Lord, there are some of us who are calling us from the boats. Others who are calling from offices. Others who are calling my father from titles and ranks. To come and sit at your feet. And to prepare for our walk of the lifetime. Give us boldness and obedience. For every voice you will give us, Lord, to step out of the boat, Lord, help us to respond. For if Peter had followed the boat, today we will not have an apostle, we will not have a writer, we will not have a world changer. If Levi and the rest had not responded to discipleship, Lord, we will not have had the impact they made. We pray, Lord Jesus, when you call for us to come and sit, let us come and sit. We pray also for our children, especially children born into this generation that is esty, a generation that is quick to do, quick to, too quick to talk. Lord, we pray for our generation that will give us peace. For the man of peace will not contend. The Bible says, Behold, this is my servant who will not raise his voice in the streets. For he will be a man of peace. He will be a prince of peace. Give us peace, Lord, even in the storms, in the fire. Give us peace in the storms. Give us peace. That in sitting we will sit till we move from Rabbi to Rabboni. In sitting we will sit till my father, every barrier that was to stop us, we will have learned the wisdom of how to step above it and to overcome it. For when David took the throne, never did he lose a battle. When David finally took the throne, the land had peace. Till he ushered the 
son of peace called Solomon, who came with prosperity untold. We pray, Lord Jesus, as you grant us peace in our areas of, 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 of confusion, when we rise, a generation of prosperity will rise with us. You are here and you are saying, man of God, I need peace in my heart. There are things I don't seem to understand. There are things I don't seem to be grasping. Lay hands on your heart wherever you are. Lord, I pray for your people that you'll grant them peace. The days they think is being wasted, they will have understanding about it. The days they feel are being worn out into the night, they will have peace and they will overcome. Holy Spirit of God, you who sheds the love of God abroad our hearts, shed peace and grant us even the fruit of peace that you promise in Galatians chapter 5. Tomorrow, Lord, as you enable us to come to learn about walking, prepare our feet, Lord, to walk. But beyond hearing, we will be doers of what we hear, Lord, to the glory of your name. Now bless your people, sit them on seats, but you alone have sat them. And any seat the enemy is trying to sit them, we burn it by fire in the name of Jesus. And we command, let the seats of God come within our vicinity and let us report to those seats. Every other seat raised by devils, we burn it in the name of Jesus. And the seats of men, we expose them to be of men. We choose only to sit on the seats apportioned to us. This we decree. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you tomorrow. God bless you. People.